<laughs> That's what a way to there we go. <laughs> Sum up the last week right there, Cade. I'm Ben. That's Silver. perfect. This is that was Cade Kissner. <laughs> we have Alex Carr with us. We're gonna have uh, to put the uh, the explicit mark on this one. Yeah, I think. Uh, get get that nice bleep button out here early. Um, I would ask how you guys are doing, but I feel like that goes without saying. Uh, no one's doing well right now. The Phillies, most of all. Um, Alex, what did you say they were over the last like fourteen or fifteen games? Ben, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, they've lost 11 of their last 15 games, and I don't know about you guys and, and those keeping track at home. That's a lot of games. They've lost a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, the, uh, you know, the Texas Rangers, they're almost back to 500. So, you Cade, know, that's... Uh... Cade, respectfully shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And Lauren's not here to keep us in check. Oh, man. It's over. This is a, this is a boys-only podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this should no. be good. Yeah, we're uh, really going off the rails. It's time. Wait, Kate, are the are the Rangers really almost back to five hundred? Uh, yeah, they are uh, twenty three, twenty four. They beat the Rays uh, wow. last night, like eight Good to five them. or nine to four or something like that. This, yeah, they play again tonight. Could be back to five hundred for the first time uh, since season, uh, right? yeah, since the COVID season. Um, so, and they haven't been over five hundred since twenty nineteen. So, so. We we can't we can't allow Dallas propaganda on this podcast. This all has to be cut out. <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. No, look, uh, if if Philly brutal. fans need something to be optimistic about, at least the Phillies didn't sign Marcus Simeon. Oh, that seems God. like a pretty. Well, uh, he did wow. hit his first home run, Cade. How about that? a grand slam? Yeah, a grand slam. At that. Now the only you know, and and the thing about Marcus Simeon is. You know, he every time he goes somewhere new, he's kind of has a down year as he like adapts, I think, to the new city. And then he goes off and he has a great, you know, second, third year. So uh, this is pretty normal for him. Mm. Uh, but didn't really think that it would be like this bad. But, you know, yeah, everyone regresses to me, just well, like Marcus Simeon. Well, the Phillies sounds- at some point will have to regress back to the mean, right? So, yeah. Wow. That's like- a good segue. Yeah. It sounds like Simeon would have been perfect for Philadelphia right here with oh. uh, <laughs> with yeah. Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos and all these other uh, disappointments. Yeah, and- I mean, it's – it's look, I just want to – before we get into airing our grievances and all the dirty laundry and all of that, I think that – and I've said this, you know, in private to, to the both of you. I think the best is yet to come for the Phillies. I think you have to kind of look ahead – Look at the and this this might bring a little PTSD for some of the uh, the the old Philly fans out there, but you know they're the, and by that I mean you know two or three years old. Uh, their schedule gets significantly easier in the coming months, right? Like, and I know that that is a very you know that sounds like uh, oh there's there's hope to be had, you know? No, they've they've sucked. They have been really really bad. The Phillies have played bad baseball. You don't have to be an expert analyst to know that. You can look at the on field product and it's been bad, but they play equally as bad teams very often in the coming months. And I think that that is uh, a reason to be cautiously, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I... You still I gotta go out there and play those games, though. You know? Yep, that's so, true. You yeah. still so gotta go out there and play those games. I mean, again, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, every time we bring this up, but, you know, they were supposed to have a nice, you know, easy stretch, uh, you know, last year. Uh, coming down towards the end of the wire and you know they went out to Arizona and got swept by the at the time very very horrendous uh, Diamondbacks team out there and you know it's one of those things where uh, it kind of you know brings to mind uh, our friend uh, Miss Alex Toffee over at the Inquirer uh, wrote up a story where basically you know she states that you know players uh you know they're just not having fun uh, the morale is low and when something like that's going on and you're losing all these games, I mean, you could, you know, hang into the easiest stretch of the schedule right now, um, you know, and this team might not, you know, perform just because, you know, they're not, they're not going out there. They're not enjoying themselves. They're not having fun. Uh, you know, the morale in the locker room is super low right now. And so, um, you know, Phillies have to figure something out uh, because like you said, when you come into this, this easier stretch of the schedule, you got to capitalize, especially um, after this previous, you know, little run of, of, of losing. The morale is low. You say, I, Hmm. I wonder what could fix that. I'm not going to put anything. <laughs> up, but, um, oh no. 
Yeah. It's yeah. it's not pretty in the clubhouse. It's I because one of the things I've noticed this year as well is like Nick Castellanos brings his son to like half of his games. How does that kind of feel for the kid like going to his games? Man, I gotta go watch dad strike out again. <laughs> so like Castellanos, at least he he's looking a little bit better of late, and he's the sort of guy that I'm sure will turn things around. He's a great hitter, and I, and honestly, it really shocked me that he even went through that stretch for most of May where. He was the Phillies' best hitter for the first like two, three weeks of the season when before Bryce Harper turned it on. Um, Schwarber, I kind of understand the slow start. He seems more streaky, but Castellanos is the sort of guy that I expected to just be knocking the ball around constantly. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. Oh, go ahead, Alex. I just think it's unfortunate because this 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 team lost a lot of really, um, really really necessary veteran presences, right? Like Andrew McCutcheon, you know obviously leaving in free agency, uh, Brad Miller leaving in free agency. And I'm look, I'm not here to say the Philly should have brought these guys back. No, I mean, look, they, they are what they are and they got the, they got some great contract offers, you know, and you know, I'm sure they're thriving with their respective clubs now, but the Phillies didn't really. And Oh, unless I forget Hector Neris, who was the leader of the Phillies bullpen for years and years. So the team needs Hector. Yeah. You lose, you lose three of your biggest and most important, voices in the clubhouse and they replaced them with yes huge personalities nick castellanos kyle schwarber you know these are guys that when things are going good they're playing exciting baseball and they're amping the other guys up when things are going bad they're they are not really you know those those down to earth i'm not gonna say they're not down to earth but they're not really those guys to to pick the team up and say hey we gotta get going like come on i've been in this game a long time like let's let's go they're not those kinds of guys and they shouldn't have to be but that's something that the Phillies kind of pretty seriously neglected uh, this offseason. And it's something that is paying huge dividends for the Mets. Look at the Mets right now. They, they are, you know, dealing with injuries aplenty and, uh, you know, having to lose a couple of guys that are important to their clubhouse. And they are they're thriving off of pure adrenaline and, and cl- uh, like clubhouse chemistry. Grit. That's, yeah, they're truly, yeah. that's what they're thriving off of. And that's how they're stringing together so many wins here. Yeah, I, and you're not, you not put the, you know, hit the nail around the head there, Alex. You know, this team, you know, should be good, right? And with all the money that's been spent. But you look at it, and, and most of all of these guys are in their primes, right? And collectively, I mean, don't have a ton of playoff experience. They don't have a ton of experience dealing with, you know, adversity and having to, you know, make sure that everyone, you know, gets unified on the same page and, there's not that guy, like you said, like, you know, Andrew McCutcheon uh, or, you know, Brad Miller or somebody like that. that Even Hector Nurse. Yeah, has been around the life. game a long time, you know, and keeps guys on track and kind of keeps that, you know, keeps that focus. And you mentioned the Mets. You know, look at everything that has happened in their starting rotation. Now, they're a very good team. They're a very deep uh, ball club. Um, but imagine if that were to happen to the Phillies. You know, and the attitude and, you know, once again, that that morale, what would happen? And the Mets are just playing great baseball and they're rallying behind each other and they're having fun. And so they're able to, you know, you know, get right back up after taking a knock. And, you know, as much as we, uh, you know, dislike the Mets, I mean, you got to really give it to them because they're doing what the Phillies should be doing right now. Yeah. And I actually want to circle back to what you were, I guess, the whole theme of the conversation really is, is grit. It reminds me of a story from uh, from my high school days, uh, back in like this was one history year? class. Yeah, oh, that, this was no, this was actually a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I I I, used, I mentioned I just graduated. It was actually high school, not college. But uh, <laughs> um, I had a teacher once. There there was a girl in my class. She was like complaining, like, oh, like we have I have so much homework this week. I I can't believe you you're assigning us all this stuff. You know, I have so much work to do. It was a pretty mild-mannered history teacher and he turns to her and he says let, let me let me teach you the definition of a word grit something that you lack and i need right now i need yeah. andrew lee my 10th grade history teacher to walk into that phillies clubhouse and and really give it to them and if there's one person though who i think does not lack grit it's garrett Stubbs, the only yeah. guy who has hit a home run off the bench for the Phillies? The only bench player, I should say, who's hit a home run. Wow, that's a big wow. stat. That is. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Look, here's the thing about that though. If if the players aren't going to inspire one another, 
and aren't going to hold each other accountable. You know whose job that is? Mm-hmm. Tell us, That's Alex. the manager's job. Ah. And if there is anyone who is leaking and oozing apathy in that Phillies clubhouse, it's Joe Girardi. And look, I'm not going to everybody's got their take on Joe Girardi. I'm pretty sure 99% of Phillies Twitter is in the camp of, you know, he, he obviously shouldn't be the Phillies manager anymore. That's obviously not the opinion of the front office um, that, or they just don't have another option that they see uh, as appropriate. But the, the man has done nothing to inspire his, his clubhouse. And, and you can see it. They, they don't talk about him. They, they have, don't say a word about him. And look at the Mets clubhouse. Everybody's like, oh, Buck Showalter's been great. We love him. Look at everybody in the Padres clubhouse. Yeah. When Bob Melvin went down with, uh, when, when he had to go get surgery, they, they were like, oh my gosh, we miss him so much. That guy is the lifeblood of this club. Like we would be nothing without him. He has been amazing for us. The Phillies have said nothing about Joe Girardi ever. Not once in his tenure here. And well, it's been three years. Yeah, I think, again, like, you, you you look back at, you know, the days with the Yankees, and it, it, it goes as far back as then, too, where it's just like, you know, he, um, you know, he's always been, you know, logging as this, uh, you know, manager that can, you know, kind of come in and win ball games, string series together. But, you know, he's he's always been kind of known to, to, to not really be inspiring. Find your yeah, Joe. Yeah. I mean, that's his yeah. nickname. It's not, you know, like fire him up, Joe. Like, yeah. Um, and, Joe. and I saw something uh, Ken Rosenthal from the Athletic uh, came out with a PCA saying firing Joe Girardi wouldn't fix the Phillies' problems, um, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, you know, he's like, it goes deeper than that. And obviously, now there's all kinds of memes uh, out there, you know, with Ken Rosenthal. And, you know, it goes deeper than that next to him. It's kind of funny. But, um, you know, he's saying that, you know, firing the manager, I mean, is that going to, you know, is that going to improve the defense? Is that going to improve the bullpen performance? And like, no, not really. But I think, and what analytics is not going to show you in this instance is the boost it would give to the clubhouse just to have change. Precisely. Just to bring somebody in that says, hey, we're going through some shit right now but I believe in you. We're all talented. Here's the game plan. Here's how we're going to fix this and inspiring, you know, those guys to go out there and have fun and say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the expectations that were placed on us. That doesn't mean anything. You each go out there and play your individual game and everything's going to fall, you know, you know, it's all going to come together. Um, and that, you know, that new manager boost is very real. I mean, you see it in other sports, like, you know, in soccer, you know, when a, when a manager gets fired and a new one comes in, it's like it, it, they, the performance goes up, you know, and, and a lot of that is just that human element that, quite frankly, is completely is lacking, uh, you know, with Joe Girardi, you know, that that human ele- element of, you know, taking guys and saying, we're OK, we're, we're going to be fine and, you know, inspiring them. And it's, it's just not happening. So. There was also another piece out, like in the Inquirer, uh, like David Murphy, I think, who, who made basically the same point. And it feels a lot to me like, not to say that people are doing this just to be contrarian, but it, it doesn't totally feel genuine to me because is firing Joe Girardi going to make things worse? Can it get worse right now? I don't think so. <laughs> and I, like, seriously, who could they bring in if they brought in someone and they kept losing? What are they going to say? It's like, oh, man, I wish we still had Joe Girardi because I don't think anyone is going to say that, even in the Phillies clubhouse right now. So I saw a really interesting stat. It was actually underneath um, King Rosenthal's article on Twitter. And again, I haven't independently verified this. But uh, this one guy, uh, Phillies lifer, uh, he says, you know, check our history. 1979, underachieving team, fired Danny Ozark, brought in Dallas Dream from the front office and went uh, 633 the rest of the season. And then they won the World Series in 80. Um, and his argument is, is the problem is that they waited too long until August 31st. Um, and so you see, you know, even just if that is correct, like just even in the Phillies history, you can see that there was a, a bump, a new manager bump. Um, and I don't, you got to try something. As for, as for Joe Girardi, I mean, I don't think whoever they were going to replace him with, if they do replace him internally, I don't think it could really be any worse. I mean, 
Girardi's just your classic case of overmanaging, um, always. And he, he does it all the time. We saw it when there wasn't a designated hitter in the National League, all those double switches. You know, the, him asking for relievers to get extra wraparound time for innings and appearances, it, it, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And it's funny because, like, the moves that seem quite obvious to make, he doesn't really make them. But then he does all these gymnastics to make these moves that almost make very little sense. Um, it's really, it's, it's mind-boggling. I don't know how he comes to the decisions he does, but I don't think it could get worse because uh, at least the person that they would replace him with would be a little bit more conservative and like a little bit more by the book, right? And it's funny because they do call him Binder Joe, but he, he doesn't really you know, do the typical manager thing. Like he doesn't put a guy in for an inning, then let the next guy get a clean inning. And then, you know, put your stopper in here and then let him rest and put another guy. No, it's just always the Girardi way. And it's so strange. It's yeah. so, so strange. Yeah. Ra- wrapping back around to, uh, to Dallas green K you mentioned, I think like the Phillies need a Dallas green type. Like he, he, he was a guy who came from within the organization. He was like the Phillies farm director. I think, believe or he no he was their scouting director excuse me and um like him and paul owens who were the gm at that time they were like very close and he sort of implemented the guy as manager and immediately all of the players hated him like he he was if there was anybody who was not a player manager like it was him and and guys from the 1980 team still talk about like all of the fights they had with him and how much they hated that guy and their hatred bound them together. And then they won a world series with one of the lesser talented teams from that run. And Mm -hmm. it's actually one of the players from that team that I think might make a, uh, a good manager if Girardi does get fired. And that, and that guy is Larry Boa. Oh man. You think bring Boa back? If, if he is willing to do the job, I I think he's like in his late seventies now. Um, Something like that. I, I think he seventy six. I mean, that's not too old. I mean, how old that's is Showalter? Buck Showalter's age, I think. Yeah, I think he's seventy six. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, it doesn't really matter who comes in. It, no, somebody has to. And you know, and one thing you know, talking about Joe Girardi moves and kind of head scratching was um, the call up of of Bailey Falter, right? Oh man, and, infuriating. Yeah, and how you know? Okay, so he comes up. You, you know, you you basically give the the starters, uh, you know, a, an extra day of rest. But there's an off day coming up. So what you basically did was you, you took away a legitimate start and you put in a guy who hadn't pitched in ten days. Comes up, makes his, uh, you know, makes a major league start. Kind of gets blown up, a little shaky, um, and and then they go on and they lose that game. You know, and it's just like they it's almost like they, he didn't even give the team a chance, you know, to win. And he, he kind of, you know, pre, uh, prioritized, you know, this this weird day of rest over winning a ball game, you know, when they're in the midst of this just awful losing streak. And right, because- the, the other thing is, like, he he kept Bailey Falter on the roster for two days yeah. after that. Yeah, he, he chose to play short for two days, only for then for the organization to call up Mickey Moniak, which right. I'm, I'm not upset about. But why I'm, would you play short for two days? They could have just called up another reliever. And, you know, in class Girardi <laughs> fashion, you know, oh, the early games don't matter. We'll be fine down in August. It's like, Joe, the Phillies need to be, need to be better in August because they collapse every September. Come right. on. It's like you, you've been here for two years. You've, I mean, I guess they didn't collapse last September. They did pretty well last September. But three of the last four seasons – God damn, yeah. someone knocks some Bryce, sense into this man. Bryce Harper said it too. He's like, he's tired of hearing that it's it's early. Like, every game matters. And he's like, mm-hmm. look at the Mets and what they're doing right now. Like, you know, they're positioning themselves well to have success down the stretch, you know. And yeah. it, they're giving themselves some breathing room. And right now, the Phillies are just in this <laughs> – catch up mode but they're not catching up to anything and they're they're 11 and a half games back in the division i think the the largest you know again they're not going to win the division this year you know most likely um but you know the largest deficit that they've ever come back from was eight and a half Mm -hmm. and you know we're 30 something percent of the way through the season and they're already 11 and a half games back and it just goes to show you know in you know the the phillies and what they're just not accomplishing early right now and it's it's gonna come back and bite them if they don't if they don't 
change that mentality. Yeah. And I feel like this is so commonly said in the, in the Phillies sphere, but like, you know, yeah, you can't win a pennant in April or May, but you certainly can lose it. And the fact that they are so far behind heading into June is it's not going to inspire confidence in anyone. And, and, and that's the other thing, Ben, to your point of, you know, why didn't they just call up another reliever? I just tweeted about this today. What is Francisco Morales doing in AAA? Yeah. Like what, what is a guy with a 0.83 ERA and 33 strikeouts and 21.2 minor league innings this year doing in AAA when James Norwood is still on the major league club the James- and Sam and Sam Coonrod, uh, uh, Ryan Sheriff and Kent Emanuel are all on the comeback trail. What is, what is what is going on? The there? James Norwood experiment is over. I'm sorry. He had like a good fit for a week. I he actually won't, he won't get claimed. He won't I, get claimed on waivers. I, I actually I wrote a, an article about him and be like, James Norwood is, is the future of the Phillies pen, at least in 2022. And boy, did he prove me wrong in the span of like a week. I, I also said Andrew Bellotti would address, and I may have been right on that, but but forgetting about that, it's like well, he's walking people, and he's it's nothing is good. Nothing is good. And Ben, do you remember what you said about Bellotti? The uh, the other we recorded like a week and a half yeah. ago, and you said about Bellotti that Joe Girardi is now going to be inspired by his his decent uh, put out and is going to mm-hmm. put him in more high pressure scenarios. What in the world was he doing in that game yesterday? Why yeah. was he the guy with in extras? Yeah, Why? I, 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 like Brad Hand could have come and did some Anthony Dominguez. Couldn't no, Brad Hand had already pitched, but yeah, Connor Brogdon pitched. was available. Connor yeah. Brogdon was and, available. And, and familiar for what it's worth. Too. I actually no, don't he had already pitched as well. Are, okay, and, well, Dominguez but, then, whatever. Yeah, I, Sir Anthony was <laughs> it available. It was Memorial Day. I think that he, he was actually unavailable because, guess this, get this, he had to pitch. He had to throw one pitch two days earlier and then pitched two days ago. Uh, So he was unavailable because again, uh, he had to get his work in quote unquote, but if you used him properly and more frequently, then you wouldn't have to worry about that. That's the thing. The bullpen management, not only is it bad from game to game, but those game to game choices impact the choices down the line that make those choices from then look even worse. Now it's, it's, it's a feedback loop. It's a feedback loop. While we're talking about the bullpen and just like something that really grinding my gears is um, I guess it was last Tuesday and Corey Knable got really upset that due to Joe Girardi's, you know, rules basically and how he employs his bullpen that he wasn't allowed to kind of come in and, and help close out the game on Tuesday. And he had this long conversation with, you know, Joe Girardi about it. And apparently you know, they kind of came to a, uh, a you know, an understanding but then, you know, basically his next appearance, uh, you know, comes in in a safe situation. Uh, they're up by a run, um, you know, against the Mets and, you know, gives up a home run uh, to, you know, what's his name? Nick Plummer. Yeah, and, you know, rough. just, yeah, rough. And, you know, so you go through this whole thing of like, you know, why, why am I not taking them out? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you really haven't had a great May. Um, and when you are put into that situation, uh, you just gave up just a big, you know, big old beef burger right down the middle that you know any major league hitter is going to be able to kind of do something with and um and and that's just infuriating you know where you know it's just you kind of complain about this stuff and then you you come in in this high leverage situation and you don't perform and look i'm i'm not going to sit here and tell you that Corey knable is is you know this amazing relief pitcher that uh you know he's the he's the close of the future no he's not um but I think he's better than what he's shown. That being said, I think that you have to, and I've said this before, you have to set these guys up for success. You have to. Mm-hmm. And if you're putting Corey Knebel in a non-save situation when he's got a closer mentality going on, like they did um, yesterday. No. When yes. was this? Yesterday. Yes, yesterday. Yeah. With a, in a tie game. It was that. a tie game. If, if, you're, if you're bringing him in a non-save scenario... That's that's a Sir Anthony Dominguez spot. Like we've seen this before with guys like Craig Kimbrell, with guys like Josh Hader, with you know guys that are are trying to build up a closer mentality. They don't succeed in non-save scenarios more often than not. This is um, not out of the park baseball. You can't just guys aren't robots. Yeah, you you can't they you can't mess with them like that. You have to set them up to succeed. Just like you can't ask Jose Alvarado to do a wraparound inning. Just like you can't ask you know, Nick Nelson to get more than six outs for you. 
but he continues to do it anyway. That's the frustrating thing. Girardi continues to put these guys in scenarios that they have shown they are not built for. What's the and definition of like, like he expects again? them to be like he expects them to be different. You know, and, and this also kind of, you know, raises a question, obviously, you know, Joe Girardi, right? He's making these on-field decisions. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, it's kind of like the commander in the field, right? You can't really question the decision when you can question it, you know, but, you know, it's one thing to kind of go back and dissect it and look at it after the fact, especially when it doesn't work. And yet he continues to make these same mistakes and people sitting at home, uh, us, you know, are going, man, you know, this is ridiculous. Like, but then you look at the front office and, and Dave Dombrowski, who, who is very smart, very well-respected uh, within this industry. You know, he's, a, he's got a great proven track record in helping teams and, and setting teams and managers up for success. Uh, it's just interesting kind of how he uh, isn't getting involved, at least uh, to some extent. And again, not with on-field decisions during game time, but setting this team up for success by having the right people in place um and you just gotta think like i, I don't know what he's thinking you know if, if girardi if he really does believe in girardi and and, and whatnot but um i'm just kind of surprised that he hasn't taken some type of action in order to uh you know make additions make subtractions whether it's on the roster or on the uh you know you know managerial staff yeah i mean he, he's a bit of a tinkerer too especially looking at like his 2018 team with the Red Sox and, you know, his time with the Tigers in the early, you know, 2010s. And he's, he's constantly moving pieces around and, you know, making big decisions. And he likes to work for um, owners who want to spend money like Illich and Middleton, who guys who want to win now. And maybe, maybe there's something going on in his discussions with Middleton in that, you know what, maybe this season we're just going to have to see what happens. But it, it strikes me as very odd that and he hasn't done anything. Here's the thing, though. And a lot of – I've seen like this from multiple outlets now. It's it's people that say, like, what do you think? The, the, the manager is going to be like a magic a magic arrow that firing, firing him is going to cure every – you know, every problem the team's ever had. No, of course, nobody is, nobody's silly enough to believe that, but it's at this point, what I think a lot of the national writers don't understand is that it, it certainly couldn't hurt. Um, and I don't mean the Phillies national writers. I mean, the national baseball writers that don't focus <clears throat> Phillies centric right. um, mm-hmm. because, you know, Ken Rosenthal did write that, write that piece uh, kind of defending Joe Girardi a little bit and said, you know, it's, it's not going to fix all your problems. Yeah, but it's not going to hurt. And it, it, it's exactly like Cade mentioned, you know, it's exactly what the team needs. If nothing for more than a morale boost or a shift of dynamic, something needs to happen. And, you know, if anything, to just say, hey, we don't accept this kind of losing. Like, this is not, this was supposed to be a very promising year. This is not what we were looking for. It sends not a message. Doing a good job. You could put a bag of lima beans in Joe Girardi's spot and get like, you know, 10 guys that are, you know, just staring at stat sheets and matchup data. And you could send text messages to the bag of lima beans and then just have the bench coach carry it out and be like, you know, this is what we need to do in this matchup. Like the manager is not a, they don't play a big role in baseball anymore, but their one job is to keep the team in check in the clubhouse and on the field. Well, you said he's not doing that. You you said it, Alex, you said, um, you know, is, you know, is getting a new manager, is it going to be this magic arrow, right? Well, no, but it will be an arrow, right? Because that's the thing is this team lacks direction. They have yeah. no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what their identity is. They don't even have an arrow. And a new manager would be that, an arrow to point them in the right direction. Um, and like you said, hell, even if it's a lima bean bag, I think that the players right now would rally behind that uh, more than they're rallying behind Joe Girardi because Joe Girardi is not rallying behind them. Just a pair of sunglasses and like a sheet of paper for a face, and we're good to go. I'm I'm telling you, I yeah. think we're gonna get that, we're gonna get that drawn up actually. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm always gonna point to Jeff Torberg from the 03 Marlins. Got fired when they were 16 and 22. Jack McKeon came in and they won the World Series. It's that's it's what a poster child for this. Sort people of are people are acting like this hasn't happened before. Like perfectly promising teams that just need a, a, a change in direction 
that then go off to, to do something great. Like it's getting late early. Yeah. You have to make this decision or is this the guy, this, this lifeless personality that you're going to ride to the end of a, a disappointing season? Well, what we, what's happened is that people like to make baseball complicated, right? <laughs> it, it, it makes it, no, it really, it, it makes right. for good stories. It makes for good tweets. It makes, you know, for conversation where people can sound smart. And sometimes the correct solution or answer is quite simply the easiest one, right? And, or, you know, it, it's right there in your face. And people are, like say, national writers, whoever, like, oh no, this won't fix anything. It can't. Like the numbers, there's no numbers to be able to back this up. But no, it really is quite simple. Fire the manager, hire a lima bag, be, you know, lima bean bag. I don't care. <laughs> like that will work. It, it will at least, you know, help in the interim. And if it doesn't, it's not going to make it worse. That's the thing. It's it, <laughs> exactly. It, it cannot. And they don't, the players don't like the way that this is going. So firing the manager, regardless of how they feel about him, I guarantee there's nobody in there that's going to be like, odd oh, man, I really liked Joe. That's not going to, they're not lobbying for his job right now. They're not being like, oh, you guys can't. I know the fans are, are putting a lot of pressure on Joe, but believe us, like he's a really great guy. No. And they see this stuff. They know what the fans think. Like they, they would come out and disagree if they didn't agree. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you know exactly. No one has come uh, out in his defense. And that's yeah. been said a million times. Go ahead, Kate. No, I was going to say, and you know it's bad when, you know, stories come out about Kyle Gibson's parents watching him on TV and calling him after his start going, uh, you know, you know, kiddo, it doesn't look like you're having a whole lot of fun out there. And neither do the other players. You know, what's going on? And it's like, seriously, like, you literally have players' parents who are like, yo, something is not right with this yep. team. And everyone's like, Hey, you know, front office, managerial staff, they're all like, eh, who cares? Whatever. We're all going to turn around. It'll, 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 yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. I also just want to say, I just got an alert. Uh, Didi Gregorius is beginning his rehab assignment um, tonight at Lehigh Valley. Um, so, I mean, that that's clearly the, the thing that the Phillies need to the write. Savior. Yeah. Yes. We've oh, moved on from goodness. Mickey Moniak. Now it's Didi Gregorius. Exactly. Exactly ah. what they need. Another terrible defender with a, with a bat that only, you know, Grace is the out like outside of the infield, like maybe once or twice a week. Like you know, uh, and yeah. I, I I get, you know, during the offseason, you know, you have this historic class of shortstops, right? Um, and I get that, you know, uh, Stott has been down in the minors. He's he's been projected as, you know, the number one or number two prospect, depending on, you know, publication for you know a while now. And and I, I get that you have to kind of give him a shot. But at the same time, you look at the shortstop position, and it is one of the most important positions um, on the baseball field. Yep. And, you know, to kind of go, well, we've got this guy who can't uh, hit anything inside or outside the strike zone in, in Gregorius. Oh, and by the way, he really can't play defense. Um, and or, you know, we've got this rookie and we really don't know what he's going to do at the major league level. And you, you look at the money that was spent. Uh, this offseason and to me it's you know hindsight's 2020 but it's almost a little disappointing that you know they did not um they didn't dabble in that in that shortstop class a little bit or at least kick the tires because we now look at it and it almost seems like the Phillies would have been a perfect fit for any of those you know Seeger Simeons Story. I think it should have been story is what it should it have been. Should yeah. have been, but also look at the deal that Correa ended up signing. They're over yeah. the luxury tax anyway. Right. Like why why mm-hmm. couldn't they have gone for that? And look, i I'm thrilled that they ended up with with Castellanos and Schwarber. I still sure. think those guys are yeah. going to be excellent in Philadelphia. Um, and again, I'll I'll mention this while we're at it. Like we really can't say how much of what's going on with Schwarber and Castellanos has to do with the baseball. I mean they have flown out to the warning track more times than I can count. The same can be said for Reese Hoskins. There is mm-hmm. something going on with the baseball this year. It's getting a little bit better uh, or so it might seem, uh, but there, there was something wrong at the beginning of the year. And I think the best is yet to come for them. And I'm glad the Phillies have them, but they are already over the luxury tax. There's yep. nothing that would have stopped them from grabbing somebody like Carlos Correa, except for the fact that they, they put all their eggs in the basket of Bryson Stott, and it's it's not working yep. right now. So two things about those two guys. Um, you know, the first thing you, you you kind of mentioned already, these guys thrive off of playing with high energy, excitement. They love going out there and playing. 
And that's a big part of their game. That's a big part of how they find success, right? Um, and when you have a situation in the clubhouse where uh, it's just bad, I mean, no one's happy to be there and no one's having fun, I think that's going to play into their performance as well. On top of that, you know, despite what I said about, you know, the shortstop situation and, and free agency, thank God that they signed both of these guys because whether or not, you know, how well they play defense, whether or not they're DH types, had they not had the Phillies not signed, you know, both of these guys, you know, Phillies would have had a, a, a terrible, uh, you know, position right now. Uh, looking at the corner outfielders oh, with, yeah, uh, with Bryce Harper, trouble. you know, I mean, Bryce Harper might not play in the field again this year. Yeah. yeah. You know? And he might not play again in the field until this time next year. Yeah. Right. Especially exactly. if he gets Tommy John at, in like October, if the Phillies don't make the playoffs. I mean, Reese Hoskins got Tommy John in September and was fine for uh, September of 2020 and was fine for uh, April of 2021, but he really had an exceptional recovery. And who the hell knows about Bryce Harper? We know he's, you know, a freak of a human being in, right. in the most positive way possible. But, like, Tommy John in October might mean that he is not ready to even swing the bat by April of 2023. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and, again, thankfully, you know, you've got two very capable players uh, in, in Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. But, again, I think a lot of their success and future success and rebound – is going to come from a stark shift in attitude and morale within the clubhouse. Yeah, they just need some, like, look, these are all guys that like to have fun. Kyle Schwarber is a party animal, right? Like, he, he's, he's a guy that, he, he's serious at work, but he likes to let loose. He mentioned that in his press conference. He was like, I like, you know, sitting back and having a beer with the team and, you know, things like that. Nick Castellanos, guy is just here to, to hit baseballs, right? He's not going to be that guy that, you know, yeah. speaks up in the clubhouse. Degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't have a college degree. just wants to hit the baseball. Same thing with Bryce Harper. It's been proven he's – or not proven. It's been reported that, you know, he's just not a huge – Yeah, he's just not a huge voice in, in, in the Phillies clubhouse, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be, but somebody has to be. Yep. And Reese that's Hoskins about. is a great leader. But he's the, he's not that vocal guy, right? He leads by example. He's more of that like, hey, you know, knock it off. Let's be professional, whatever. But he's not going to get up there and yell at these guys, right? And apparently, neither is Joe Girardi, even though Ken Rosenthal says that he has a, a reputation for being relentlessly intense. I, I call BS all over that. There's no way the guy that I sat on Zoom press conferences with, that guy, he's not relentlessly intense. I, I, I beg to differ. So who's gonna who's gonna you know be that guy? Who's yeah, gonna be that I mean, player that Pereira? <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was about to say I was looking up and down the roster. It's like oh, like you know. Yeah, that's the thing. He's like not Garrett there. Stubbs, I, maybe like no. <laughs> Bryson Stott, he's, he's a rookie. Like Zach Wheeler, that, he's he's not gonna do that. Gibson, you know who it was? You know who it was? It was Brad Miller. There's a reason Bryce Harper spoke about him in his MVP acceptance speech, right? right. He referenced Brad Miller specifically saying, this guy was my rock. I mean, he really helped me through some of these really tough times. Like, he was he was my veteran leader. Yeah. And and here's Brad Miller's too. not here. There's, there's a reason why the Rangers signed him to such Precisely. a lucrative deal because Precisely. they have such a young, young team yeah. that is trying to come into themselves and, you know, are looking forward to, you know, next year. And they they need that 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 veteran presence. And that is why they went out. And they got Brad Miller. You know, obviously, yes, he, he's got some, you know, versatility infield, outfield, you know, but they, you know, every team needs that guy. And the, it, you know, the Rangers, you know, identified the knee and went out and got him. And it just seems like the Phillies were content with not having a clubhouse leader going into a year where you're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in 11 years with a bunch of young guys or guys in their prime. And I'm not going to tell you that they should have <clears throat> beat the Rangers contract you know, offer for Brad Miller, two years, 10 million. That's, That's a yeah. lot for, for a guy that doesn't really fill a major hole on the field in this team. Uh, and, and, and also, especially with already having three DHs on the roster. Right. Exactly. And, and so, you know, he doesn't really fill a real hole on the field, but they had, they, they had to go out and get somebody and they, they didn't unfortunately. And yeah. I'm sure Kyle Schwarber will evolve into that role in his time here. But right now, it really doesn't look like they have that guy. And it's something they should probably really prioritize um, because 
look, the twins have said it. The twins said, you know, the, the, the reason that this team is so much better than last year's team is the clubhouse. The clubhouse just feels so much more bright and friendly and exciting and, you know, youthful. Uh, yeah. the, the same thing happened with the Guardians. The same thing is happening with the Mets. We see it all over baseball. It's yep. something that you have to value. And, and it's something that you can't, you can't, you know, analyze with numbers, you know? Right. And I, again, baseball, and I'm not, I'm not one of those, you know, old men who are like, oh, you know, screw analytics. Like, no, they're very important for, you know, on-field decisions and, you know, lineups and matchups and, you know, kind of identifying trends, but, uh, you know, and predictors for performance. But at the end of the day, too, like, you can't overlook the human aspect and just the, you know, the, the psychology behind it. There's a reason that, you know, most teams have sports psychologists, you know. I mean, it's just such a huge part. And, yeah, this, uh, this uh, Phillies team definitely did not prioritize the, uh, the human element very well. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I know that's a cliche, but what do you need when you're running a marathon? I don't know if anybody in this, in this podcast here has run a marathon. Cade, maybe ha- have you run a marathon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a Division One cross-country and track athlete, so uh, I, I've, done, uh, I've done a little bit of running in my time. King, it's a marathon. What do you need when you run a marathon? You need people cheering at your side. Mm. You need a team. You need you need people that are going to be there at the halfway mark, at the starting line, at the finish line, that are going to cheer you on, keep you going. And the Phillies, they don't have that right now. And they don't have it in a manager. They don't have it in a player. They don't have it in the clubhouse at the time being. And, uh, you know, that's come back to bite them here in the beginning. Uh, so hopefully, should we see something, the floodgates break at some point here and, and, and the Phillies may luck into a, a new manager of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it will be somebody who can be that person for them, that guy so, that's at the midway point at the finish line cheering them on as they cross it. So as we kind of start to, to wrap this up a little bit, um, you know, I want to kind of do another segment. You know, let's look at, let's look at June here. And I want to kind of get your guys, you know, feel uh, for this schedule, uh, as well as maybe, you know, some predictions of where the Phillies are going to end this month in June. Yeah, this this schedule, it looks exceedingly easier than uh, what their April and May schedules look like. Uh, you know, where right off the rip, we see four games with the Nationals. We love that. And, you know, yep. three games with Arizona is always fun. Um, or five games with the Nationals, excuse me. So, you know, that will be very helpful uh, in getting this team going because the Nationals have terrible pitching and the Phillies have a good offense on paper. Uh, yeah. And that should line up pretty well. Well, I think the issue too is this next stretch of games here where, you know, we're, uh, you know, Phillies are finishing up uh, their series of the Giants today, uh, Tuesday and tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, you know, the day off, uh, that might be good for a, a little reset. Um, but then you, you welcome Shohei Otani and Mike Trout uh, to Citizens Bank uh, for a weekend series. Uh, and then uh, Phillies have another off day, and then they take off to uh, Milwaukee to play a three-game series against the Brewers. So, you know, these next eight games uh, are definitely going to be tough. I think we might see some more of the same as far as, you know, uh, you know, losing low morale, um, some disappointing, you know, disappointing ways to lose. But I think as you kind of get into the middle part of June, um, you know, like I say, Diamondbacks, Marlins, Nationals, and, you know, I guess even the Rangers a little bit, uh, you know, I think you're going to maybe see, you know, an uptick and, and hopefully the, the team kind of starts to come into themselves and we can kind of look back at the end of June and go, okay, this is where the team turned it around. This is when they got on track. And, I, and again, I'm being a little bit optimistic, but I think that this this month very well could be could be that turning point uh, for the Phillies. Yeah, I would like to see them at 500 by the All Star break. And I'm also just looking at like the the strength of schedule remaining now. The Phillies opponents have a 472 win percentage for the rest of the year, and the only team that's easier than that is the Cardinals, who have a 469 winning percentage for the rest of the year. And I. I don't know. I, I still think that over their next, over the rest of the season, the Phillies will, you know, probably do what I thought they did for the year where they have like, you know, a 530 winning percentage. That's not going to be enough to make, to push them to the playoffs. But, you know, if they overperform a little, who knows? But I think if you can get to 500 by the all-star break, you're in a good spot. 
yeah, I think that they, I think that they, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic. Shocker. I know I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic, uh, but I, I think that they exit June with a positive, a positive record within the month. I'm not sure yeah, they'll be I can at 500 that. outside of the month, but I think they're, they're aiming for a positive record in the month of June. And then when July rears around, I mean, you have a tough stretch going into the all-star break, but after the all-star break, I mean, it is 34 games against Washington, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and there's one more that I'm forgetting, Arizona, maybe. Um, you also have 15 games against the Marlins, too. For the yeah, I mean, like, yeah. come on. you, Come on now. Even, even with this team that we know has had some trouble beating bad teams in the past, you've got to look at that and say, you know, that that is an easily uh, like attainable, not only over 500 record, but like that they should be able to get into the playoffs with that kind of a stretch. They should. Yeah. And on top of that, too, like you say, if they can kind of have a net positive coming out of the month, especially heading in July and the all-star break and the trade deadline, I think this is a team that a has to be buyers. Uh, but I also think that they need to kind of maybe do it a little bit more, you know, maybe untraditionally and start yeah. buying a little bit earlier. I'm not saying right now, and I'm not saying in, in June or late June, but, you know, when, you know, they better be doing some, uh, you know, kicking the tires come, come all-star break. I uh, think you're going to see that. I yeah, think you're going to see, uh, look, if the Braves taught them anything last year, it's that even if you're below 500 at the all-star break, you can still you can still win the World Series. I mean, yeah. we, we saw what they did. A few smart purchases here and there without giving up very much. You know, you can you can get there. And I think, honestly, I think the Phillies are going to have to, this year, just say screw it and uh, be a little bit more, uh, throw caution to the wind when it comes to their 40-man yeah. roster. I, I think they're going to they're gonna dump some guys off that you wouldn't expect them to dump. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the same thing with the 2019 Nationals, too. It's like the last three full, two full seasons, you know. It's been the two crappiest teams yeah, you're in the right. division midway through the season who have won the World Series. And the Nationals were 19-31 and 31 on yep. May 23rd, um, 2019. That's what, 40 games into the season? No, 50 yep. uh, games 50. into the season. 50. The Phillies yeah. are actually better than that right now at 48 <laughs> games into the season. That's hard so, to be I mean, worse than that, but yeah. Yeah, what the hell do I know? But yeah, it just it just goes to show you like strength of schedule is a real thing. Like just because you got all of your hard games out of the, you know, out of the way in the first third of the season doesn't mean you're not a, a good team. It just means, you know, and obviously the, the Phillies are playing bad baseball. We can't just gloss over that. They, yeah, they've been bad, but baseball. they have also played really good teams that have capitalized on their mistakes. So uh, let's let's end on a little high note here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's May 31st, right? So. Um, you know, let's look back on the on the month of May, and yes, it's been terrible, but we can pull a silver silver lining out here. Um, can we? Yeah, both yeah, both of you give me uh, give me your Phillies of the month or your Philly of the month. <laughs> ben, you go first. Really okay, okay. You go yeah. first. I'm gonna I'm gonna change the question because I <laughs> I do dumb stuff like that. Uh, Philly of the week actually that has not gotten the respect he's deserved for the last week is JT Real Muto, who's slashing. Four, five, seven over his last eight games. Hey, that's um, pretty good. With like a home run and two walks, and I don't good know. Job, maybe JT. he's turning the corner. I'd like. Yeah. To. I, I hope so. Let's mine, best catcher in baseball status back. Yeah, mine is very easily Zach Wheeler. I mean, uh, the, what a crazy month that dude had. He went from what a a, a high fours ERA uh, mm-hmm. in April to, I think he he had a one five for the month this month. Yeah. I mean, he is very clearly back. He's he's killing it. If it imagine what that game against the Mets would have been like again on on the anniversary of Doc Halliday's perfect game. Imagine imagine what that would have been like for him were it not for that terrible first inning. That right. 30 30 some pitch first inning. I mean, he would yeah. have cruised. He would have cruised all the way through. I mean, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Such a bummer. Um, I I, think- I, I'm also going to pat myself on the back a little bit. Minor league player of the last week since I wrote my feature on him is Ethan Wilson. Yeah. Who uh is now six for his last 12 since I wrote that feature with a home run and two stolen bases. So a little, little pat myself on the back here for making Ethan Wilson a legitimate minor league prospect. There you go. I mean, um, second round pick will do that for you. Yeah, uh, That was I, all me. So I think, uh, I think I'm just going to keep it easy. Um, I really like what Zach Wheeler's done. Um, you know, there have been some uh, good individual performances, you know, Gene Segura, you know, with his hitting streaks and just being a good professional hitter. 
Uh, but I got to go with Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, there's been times where, I mean, heck, the other night he went, went what, four for four. I mean, he's – uh, I can't believe they lost that game too. I know. He's hitting home runs. He's hitting doubles. He's putting, you know, the team on his back, uh, you know, all while just doing it from the plate. Um, and that's something that, you know, when – Every other Philly, you know, has an off night. It just seems like Bryce Harper just doesn't just doesn't have them. You know, I mean, it, even it's if amazing. it's just a, a, a one hit and a walk, I mean, he's he's out there producing, and I think that without him, uh, things could have looked a lot worse in May. Completely agree. And then just because Ben did it, my minor league uh, prospect of the month is Ben Brown. Twenty-seven uh, strikeouts in his last sixteen point one innings. Dude is looking great. Every bit as good as he looked in 2019. Very excited for him. Awesome. Well, I think that's I, it, boys. I guess that'll do it for us. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for listening and um, feeling our our pain and our suffering that we all have to go through, and and you must go through too. So for Cade Kistner, Alex Carr, I'm Ben Silver. Have a good week, guys, and uh, try not to let the Phillies get you down too much.